Awesome. Hey. Well, welcome to the podcast. We're, are we live here? I think we are. We're live. We're finally We're live. going through with this, right? Uh, this is episode one. Let's call it the pilot episode. Yeah, of the uh, podcast. We'll name it later. Names don't matter right now. Quality first. All right. Well, I'm Eric from Hartford Labs. Uh, this is your co-host, John of Black Thumb. His thumbs are, well, depending on how greasy he is, they can be <laughs> black. So, yeah. John actually makes some fast cars. I met him at a car and coffee meet. That was a cool little event. That's the first time that I had ever taken that car for a drive that far, you know. And I I kind of went, went out on a limb there because it's like, I don't know how this thing's going to go. It was on, like, six-year-old winter tires with flat spots. And half the trim was missing from all the work we were doing to it. And I'm like, you know, I got to take this thing for a test drive. And I did. And I'm glad I did because how else would we have met, right? <laughs> yeah. I remember you saying, I need to go somewhere pretty far to put this thing through its paces. But I also want to make sure there's car guys around. I want to make sure there's a bunch of bros with wrenches in their in their trunks so that if something breaks down, I can make instant friends and have help. That's yeah. essentially what you said. It's and, true. Uh, <laughs> and we're standing there. And uh, I remember a kid in some pretty good goth garb was standing there, kind of being like a, like a wizard of sort. You might have known him. Seemed like a nice guy. And uh, someone in the background says, man, who puts a Honda engine in a Subaru? I'm like, haha, whose car is this? And you're like, it's mine. <laughs> <laughs> it was the same you, person. <laughs> I gave you the line. I was like, oh, wait, I would. <laughs> you threw that out there like a, uh, like a feeler. Like, who's going to respond to that? <laughs> yeah, I have, a, I have a preset list of lines just to try to mess with people. Because for those who are, who are listening who don't know, I, I have a 2000 Subaru Impreza that Let's I... let Yeah, we'll, we'll just open up with a little intro. Uh, I have a 2000 Subaru Impreza that I swapped a Honda K-Series engine into, and it is, I don't know, how do we say this? It's its not very stealthy. There's about oh. it's a two-foot-wide hole in the hood where the hood scoop used to be all the way up there, and the engine sticks out, so it tends to turn some heads. But what I find really fascinating is the culture that surrounds both of these cars, right? Or both of those brands, Honda and Subaru. You know, they're, they're both, uh, some would even say they're not just a culture, they're a religion, right? I'm sure you've had exposure to that too, right, Eric? I haven't gotten a tattoo of a Honda logo on myself yet, but that's just because I don't want a tattoo. <laughs> but you'd be willing if you wanted a tattoo. <laughs> that's the first one you'd go to, right? Sure. I almost bought a Honda Prelude this morning. It's, uh, it's a daily struggle. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> I'd talk myself out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, enough of that. We'll get to that later, though. Um, yeah. We, we can <laughs> we can cut all this out in post. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we can start off with something with, with just some you know little guides for us to stay on track here, uh, right. and you had suggested we both discuss how we actually initially got into cars, and I really like that idea because I think everybody's got a unique story, and I'd like to hear yours first. I wish mine was more like theatrical, but um, I think I just grew up a kid in the backseat of my parents' car, oogling at BMWs and Volkswagens going by. This was the mid-90s before everybody had good credit and could lease a BMW. Uh, in my small town, you would you would see an Audi or BMW or Volkswagen. It would be something different other than the Ford and Chevy you grew up with. And I just remember thinking, hey, someday I'm going to get a car that I can take apart and put back together and, and wrench on. Uh, my very first vehicle was a Honda Accord wagon. And I think at that point, my father became obsessed believing Hondas were the best cars ever made. So my mom had an Accord, my brother had an Accord, I had an Accord. What did dad drive at the point? I don't know. Probably a Chevy work truck. No. And then he eventually got two Honda Odyssey minivans, so the prophecy fulfilled. But, uh, um, the Honda's Accord is a prophecy. I, I've, <laughs> everybody knows it. <laughs> yeah, if you don't read your book, your, your religious books, you wouldn't be real familiar, but... Yeah, the full family of Honda drivers and um, started taking them apart, I don't know, changing timing belts and brakes, real simple stuff, trying to save up for some, like, Pep Boys-level wheels from Motigi. That was my high school experience. I put a couple stickers on it. It was automatic. It was slow, but it had shiny green paint, and I thought it was cool. Um, graduated out of that into, like, a stick shift accord. Wow, went far with that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, I always, it's, it's strange, all the interests I've had in places I've been in life, I've always just wanted to dive deep, deep, deep into cars, and it's always just been kind of skimming the surface. 
uh, got interested in doing something media-wise to try and get closer to the car culture and glad we're doing a podcast. I've got lots to talk about. Not a lot I've done, but lots to talk about. I've had a couple other Hondas, crashed some Hondas. I had an Audi A4 with a turbo kit. That was yeah. probably the nicest car I've ever owned. Currently have a Saab 2.8 turbo, 9.3 turbo X. <laughs> and uh, and still have much to say, but little is done. So I'm glad I met somebody like John who actually builds things. You're giving me a lot of credit there. <laughs> Saying that I built things is pretty generous. Uh, <laughs> they do run and they do drive, but my exposure to cars is actually quite different from yours. And I'm glad we waited to tell each other this uh, until we actually recorded. This is my first time ever hearing your intro other than the small summaries we've given each other. Cool. Mine is quite different because I moved to this area. We're coming up on like 10 years ago, what? right? What? Uh, so I haven't lived here for my whole life. I've kind of been all over. And even while I've lived here, I, I've moved around quite a bit. But when I first moved here, I knew nobody. Uh, I was on my own, living alone, first time entering the real world right out of high school. What? And um, <laughs> I needed to make some friends, so naturally I went and bought a motorcycle. Ooh, the plot thickens, right? Not a, not a car. Uh, I bought, at the time it was a Suzuki Katana, an old one, like a 94. Um, and I met some pretty cool people through that, and eventually I upgraded from the Katana to an R1 which is a leader bike. Jeez. It was an 03 R1. It was one of the yeah. first fuel-injected ones, and it was torquey. It was, it was a really cool experience to go from like the old carbureted bike that was semi-reliable to an R1. Uh, but predictably, as a young guy with a sport bike, I wrecked it and nearly died. It happens, you know. Are you serious? Well, yeah. I'm glad you made it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, thank you. But um, while I owned the sport bike, I, I, I had this piece of shit Chevy Blazer, right? It's just... I. I don't want to get too heavy on the Chevy guys here because I know they'll come here with pitchforks, but uh, that thing was Those awful. Bad years. Those are bad years for Chevy. Yeah, they were, it was it was nickel and diming. But regardless, the thing was really unreliable. And a buddy of mine who was kind of into cars, you know, he had exposure. I'm like, I want to get something that's not another friggin' SUV because I hate SUVs. They just suck to drive. I want something that's kind of peppy and quick, uh, but you know that I can still rely on. He goes, I know what you need. You need a 2014 Subaru WRX like mine. <laughs> and I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah, it has this thing called a turbocharger. And I'm like, I don't know how they work, but I know that they make the car faster. He had a, like a 2014, that same, the stink eye or whatever they call them. Uh, and yes. he's like, here, drive mine around, uh, see what you think. And I didn't even know how to drive manual, but, you know, I, I had ridden a bike. I Coming kinda, from motorcycle culture. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. And uh, I had driven manuals in the past, so I could kind of figure it out, but that was many years ago. I never really did it for long. So I drove his around, and I'm like, this thing's pretty cool, and I do need a new vehicle. This is, you know, within... And I like to vape, so... I do like to vape, yes, it's true. (laughs) Um, And I love... uh, (laughs) I didn't know it at the time, but I was going to learn to work on my own shit uh, (laughs) a lot. So, no, seriously. um, So that was like in that at at that time that was very like you know we were young guys we would go to meets and stuff there was a lot of you know Subaru culture which is like guys that vape and lower their cars and put Home Depot front lips on. I can hate all I want, but they did keep car culture alive over the years. So thank you, Subaru guys. (laughs) You just earned yourself some brownie points with them. I can already (laughs) tell. But yeah, I I did I did go and pick up a, a 2014. It was a silver sedan 2014 WRX, uh and. Whenever I got it, I was like, this is cool. You know, it was cool to drive a manual around. Uh, But the only thing that was going through my mind was it's not that fast. And technically it is. There's a (laughs) lot of people who are going to hear that and be like, that's a quick car. What the hell are you talking about? Especially in 2014 when, you know, most vehicles were still NA and everyone had a Camry. (laughs) Yeah, that's 100% true. But I... I was, you know, I was kind of unhappy with it because it was a little bit slower. And I did pay for, at the time, what I was making a lot for that car. And I remember it was just kind of rattly. Like, everything was plasticky and, and shook around. And I'm <laughs> like, at the very least, this thing should be quick. And that's whenever I kind of got into the concept of car modding. Like, I, I did your normal mods that a Subaru bro would do. I was stage two. I had the downpipe had, and the intake. You had your and Instagram sticker on it. Yeah, yeah. I went to Blueberry Melon Vape Juice. The, the normal <laughs> Subaru stuff. <laughs> And uh, then I wrecked the bike. 
That's kind of how it lined up. God. Yep. I couldn't get back on the bike because uh, my left knee was a little goofed up. I couldn't bend it all the way, but I could bend it just enough to still press the clutch and drive. And I was getting stir crazy while I was recovering. Um, and I was like, I need to, I need to do something. And I kind of want to learn to work on cars more because I'm a huge tech enthusiast. I that's my whole thing is I like working with technology. And I'm like, cars are technology. They yes. Everybody always says they run on computers. How does that work? Is there a way that I can tap into the computer and make this thing faster? Because you know the factory's got to add limitations to it or something. Everything's mm -hmm. like that, not just cars. And I did learn that. I had the access port at the time. Uh, and at the time, Cobb would let you download a program. I think it was called Access Tuner Race. And you could edit maps on your own. And I just fumbled my way through it. Uh, and I figured out how to just raise the boost up, which was eye-opening for me i was like oh my god i can hook my laptop up to a car and make it faster that is something that's i need to do this more but i didn't want to do it on the car that i owed like 20 grand on right <laughs> the bank called they want you to stop racing their car yes yeah it literally <laughs> yes so uh, i i had met a friend through through the motorcycle scene though uh, a strange little man who I've talked about to you before named Shane. He's just the shortest, hairiest little gremlin that ever did exist. I don't know if Shane that isn't interesting. Yeah, you're right. He's no exception. And he did know about cars. And I called him, again, barely able even to walk. And I'm like, hey, I'm looking to buy a car uh, just to tinker with, right? Um, I don't want to get an expensive thing. I want something that's old that I won't feel bad if I screw up on. And I'm willing to take the financial hit if I do screw it up. I found a 2004 WRX. It looks good. Can you come with me and take a look? And he said, sure. So we drove out there and we're looking at it. And little man Shanus just tore this thing to pieces. He just, he, cause he has no, he's not mean. He's just like, well, the turbo seals are blown. It's missing no an filter. engine mount. The bell housing doesn't have all the, he's just like listing all this shit. And at the time I didn't know what any of this meant. And I'm just like sitting there like a timid yes. dog, like waiting for its owner to give it the, you know, the okay to, to walk around. And I'm like, uh, so do I buy this? He goes, no, no, this thing is trashed. And the owner oh. reluctantly said it actually is trash. We're selling it for this much <laughs> because we owe that much on it. And I'm like, oh, jeez. Oh, and of course, the owner was a, a wee bit perturbed at Shane's statements. And he's like, well, unless you want a wrecked legacy, that's all we have other than this WRX. And Shane really? goes, wrecked legacy. Subaru, Subaru mode engaged. Yes, because that's how he is. He's like that's a, like a Honda Accord until Subaru guys. Right? Yes. He goes wrecked legacy. Yeah, we should get that. And I'm like, I what am I gonna do with <laughs> Not a wrecked this car? Piece of junk WRX garbage, but like an even more broken car. It, the worst car that you. Yeah, he's like it's something that's much worse, at least in my eyes. And I'm like, I can't do anything with that. So we went back to his house, uh, and I was like. Again, at this point, my knee was healed enough that I could ride, ride around his little dirt bike, which I immediately wiped out on and blew my knee open again. And I'm like sitting there bleeding and he pulls up on his lawnmower and he goes, he goes out. He's like, we got to go back and buy that legacy. And I'm like, what am I going to do with that car? He <laughs> goes, it's 300. It. Yeah, he, had, he mowed the lawn. That's all it took. <laughs> I mowed on it and now I know <laughs> it's meant to be. Yeah. So he's like, they said they'll deliver it 350 bucks. That's it. That has a running oh, engine. Man. And I have this frame over here that we could swap everything into. And then we can go beat on it in the woods. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that because I'll pay for it. This <laughs> sounds like fun. And I'm like, I don't know how to work on this stuff, though. Like, I, I've never even changed my own oil. And he's like, you'll figure it out. And he was right. I did figure it out. Awesome. Uh, and that was my intro. Like, we did end up swapping the parts multiple times between a couple different legacies because at the time I didn't know enough about electronics to know. We had, like, for example, the wrong cam gear mixed with the wrong ECU, so it wasn't running right. But after mm -hmm. we figured, we after we bludgeoned our way through it, yeah, uh, we did romp it through the woods, and having a total lack of regard for a car is very freeing. Like, mm -hmm. if you... If there's a car that you don't care about because the worst that can happen is you're out 350 bucks, but you had a good time, oh my gosh, it feels wonderful. You could spend that at a video arcade over the course of a year. Yeah. You could do the real thing. <laughs> yeah, I didn't end up getting that 04 WRX, as I'm sure you could tell. I ended up buying a 2000 Impreza that was an automatic, which in my country, those come naturally aspirated as well. They didn't come turbo over here. No, we had no cool RSs. No. So... Uh, but over the years, I, I first did a manual swap. I then put a WRX swap in it, uh, blew the manual, blew the engine, put another 
engine in it, blew that another manual, and then put an STI trans in, and then I blew blew it up so many times I was just bored with it. You know, it's like ah, you can only blow up a Subaru so many times until it gets old. Uh, it was old. And, it was old when you got it, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it, you know, and I did other stuff on the side. Like as I became more familiar, because the whole goal with that car was me to do everything myself, and that hasn't changed with any of my builds. I do as much as myself as I can. Yeah, I saw you welded. I saw you built parts scratch up from, you know, hardware yeah. down the street. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. It's uh, and I sold it, but I worked on many other friends' cars. Like people would see the the engine swap I did on my car and on Shane's cars. And they would actually ship us Impreza frames, like two, like Impreza RSs, the 2000 RSs, along with WR, like wrecked WRXs. And a couple times, somebody shipped us both, like two trailers. One was a running and driving RS, and one was a not running and driving wrecked WRX. And we would swap everything over, and they'd have a, a basically a WRX from 2000. You know, same dash. We I know all the oh. wiring at these points, so that it's all looks incredibly factory you, you wouldn't even know that somebody had done the amount of work that they did to it because we, we got it down to a science that's really cool yeah. so we're talking like an rs from its generation and then like first generation wrx's because in, in the u.s we didn't get a wrx until i want to say oh two oh three correct am i am i right i remember right. now that being said we've swapped parts from very very modern subarus like up to like I, I've actually taken parts from 2014s, the car that I had, yeah. and put them into my RS to make it run. In fact, that was a built engine I did. I took the to the 2014 WRX block and put forged pistons, rods, and head studs in it so that it would be less blow uppy, explodey. Yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome. And this this brought you up to the point where you're pushing the limits of uh, let's say um, non super expensive Subaru engine builds. And you, yeah. you finally realize that um, the head gasket memes aren't going to end, and the uh, the ringlands and all the all the yeah. things people the the cliches. So you went uh, you went a little bit bonkers, and and that's what got you to outside of a, a cafe in in Mill Hall, Pennsylvania. That's <laughs> a, completely correct. Sweet with a dope K twenty four swapped RS. There was a gap in there, though. So I this sold the RS, and I was kind of bored with cars. Right, Not just, like, right. WRX like swaps. Yes. I, I was out of it for, like, two, three years because everything I wanted to do, I, I couldn't foot the bill on, to be honest. Like, I just couldn't justify the costs. So I took a break and just did other projects that were much cheaper. And then after I kind of moved up in, in my career and could afford more, I I took a look back, and I was like, well... I have a lot more doors open to me now. This whole Honda Swap Subaru, I didn't set out to Honda Swap a Subaru. I asked myself the question, if there was an engine that I could play with, what engine would that be? And I've, I've you know, having worked with EJs, my whole automotive hobby, I didn't know. Uh, I, I just kind of started looking around and I, I looked at the classics like, you know, of course the LS, uh, mm. 2Js and SR20s and 4G63s, you know, those really cool yeah. engines. And then... I was reading an article about just cool, like, uh, classic car culture engines, and somebody's like, yeah, there's this thing called a Honda K24 They can make 600 horsepower on and, stock internals. Yeah. They just, like, glossed over that. Like, they're just like, yeah, that's... Anyway, now let's talk about the 4G63, you know. Uh, <laughs> and I'm like, wait, you're just going to toss out the fact that they can, like, handle that stock? I, you know, I got to look into this. And I did, and it's true. Like, they can handle so much power unmodified which for me is a dream because then i don't have to go through the process of building another engine my my whole thing is i like the wiring and tuning yeah yeah and i appreciate that um there's so much you can do externally of like getting your hands into into piston rings and things with the software there is something i want to shout out for people who are interested the first build i did on my 2000 impreza the first turbo build i didn't put a wrx block in there because i couldn't foot the bill because I spent all the money that I had on a standalone ECU. The reason I did that though is because when you have a standalone, you can put whatever you want in that engine bay. And what I wanted was the cheapest Subaru engine that I could afford, which turned out to be uh, 2.0 WRX heads from a blown up 2.0 from somebody local, Craigslist style. 
and a 2-2 that we had left over from those legacies that Shane and I were dicking from around with. the whole with. legacy. Literally yes. legacy parts. I just, it, Subarus are like Legos, even more so than Hondas. I, that's what I keep thinking. And I, I slapped those 2-0 heads on there, and that thing, I was pushing 22 pounds of boost, rolling anti-lag on E85 for two years until I finally threw a rod through the top of the block. Just like the legacy. Also, ex- excellent value, just like your legacy. Yes. And whenever I say that I blow my Subarus up, I want to make it clear. That's not Subaru's fault. I knew what I was doing. Like, I wasn't going, oh, yeah, this is totally fine. I'm, I, this trash. will never blow up. Yeah. No, I knew I from the very beginning, like, this isn't this isn't meant to last for long. Like, I have friends ready to come rescue me because they're like, oh, John blew his shit up again. Like, that's just how it's, it's what he does. You know, I knew what mm-hmm. I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's kind of the key is, you know, that's why I didn't mod that 2014, right? I, if I blew that up, I would be screwed. Or at least at that time I would have. Now I can fix them even cheaper than I, I could have ever imagined. But You've got the experience now. Yeah. The, awesome. the fact that I went with flexible engine management meant that I could get away with a lot of stupid stuff. And I blew up I, I, more engines than I can remember right now and more transmissions. And it wasn't a big deal. I've, I've done a transmission swap in a Subaru uh, in an hour and 30 minutes. And that night I was back out on the roads racing people trying to blow it up again because, <laughs> baby, I just have no self-control. I remember when I had that wagon, I bought a parts car, stick shift, Honda, thinking I would manual swap it. And it took me five years. And I never even did it. And here you are. <laughs> here you are manual swapping in the same night. I love it, man. I, I didn't have access, or I didn't have my own shop, but Shane's mom had a garage, and she was kind enough to just let me come down there and dick around, even if Shane wasn't around. That's cool. Uh, she's, she's just a wonderful lady that was just like, well, John's down there messing with his car, and she would, like, bring down pizza for us and stuff whenever we were down there just messing with these. Now, was this in Pennsylvania, right? You were already yeah. in Pennsylvania at that time? Yeah. That's just a token Pennsylvania um, good mom vibe so far. It must be. Um, the food here is incredible, everybody. Make, make your way. so that's cool wow yeah and and the experience you've got and the stories awesome the takeaway is is that while i i've gone the distance with a a car right i can i've built engines i've wired i I tune everything myself i'm very much self-sufficient outside of having big expensive tools that i just can't justify like lathes mills and all sorts of different things dino not yet yes dino but number one in fact until we build one correct but the the takeaway is is sure i have the i went i drilled down deep into subarus but i'm still actually pretty fresh to all of this right like i've gone the distance with that with this one and those ideas carry over to all other engines nobody's i mean they all put their own special sprinkles on there like vtech mm-hmm. or h4 or whatever uh so there's still a lot more room for me to play i just accidentally happened to go the distance with this which makes it easy for me to expand laterally like something weird like putting a k24 in a subaru impreza that i had laying out back and that's what happened was i found the k24s were interesting to me i'm like vtech is interesting uh it has variable cam timing which i've already played with and i have that old subaru back there that i could just put this in so i might as well just kind of you know ease my way out of my subaru comfort zone and into something new and i'm glad i did because this this engine is just a joy they're just cool man that's what hondas are known for great engines first Everything yes. else will rust around the engine, but you'll still have fun as long as it can roll. That might be a central PA thing rather than a Honda <laughs> thing, though, right? Yeah, uh, northeast rust belt. What's, yeah. w- tell me about this Helltech system. Now, your first investment with the Helltech was back when you built the, let's call it a Frankenstein motor, yeah. the 2.0 with the 2.2 two, two bottom end, 2.0 two heads, mm-hmm. big turbo. That was the first time you, you purchased a Helltech. Now, have you carried that same system through your builds? You've been... Again, I'm trying to trying to point out that you're extracting value from, you know, an original investment. It could have been fifteen hundred dollars. I'm not sure. It was, yeah. You, actually, that's correct. But, but you got a college education out of that, and you're <laughs> still using it for, <laughs> for your builds. So yeah, um, hats well, off. and here's it, it was Haltech. First of all, great products. I like them. It, it's less about the Haltech and more about the standalone because I didn't know how to wire cars. But whenever you make that investment, you're gonna have to learn. I knew basic electronics from just my hobbies. Like I said, I'm a big tech kind of guy. So whenever I got that Haltech, I, it wasn't anybody can do it is the way I'm going to put it. I happen to have a head start by knowing a lot about electronics. However, everybody listening to this probably has a head start by already wrenching on their cars. 
I'm here to say this is very possible and accessible for anybody, and not just Haltech, but any standalone. Haltech's great. They just happen to be where I started, and I do still use their products to to this day. Um, but any standalone out there, you're going to gain value in knowledge. If that's not your thing, that's totally okay. Like maybe you're not out here to learn how to wire a car and how to really tune and how a car actually works nowadays. That's totally acceptable. But if you're that guy that wants to know that, my Haltech ran my car before it was ever uh, with that Frankenstein build. It, it ran the 2.5 NADAS. Why? Because I didn't care about the 2.5 NADAS. If I <laughs> somehow screwed up tuning and I blew up the 2.5 NADAS uh, because I couldn't tune right or I couldn't wire it right, I was going to swap it out anyway and I'd probably learn what I did wrong. But here's, yeah. here's the good news. You're not going to blow it up with tuning. You have to try very hard to blow a car up with bad tuning because... Even if you are the world's worst tuner, you know you've done something wrong and you you let off. You 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 don't screw up. It, it is that simple. Uh, you and that's the thing is everyone's like, well, I don't know how to tune. How am I supposed to tune a car good? You don't have to tune a car good. Let's you go don't to this have guy, to be give good. him eight hundred dollars. He'll do it. <laughs> yes, and, and that's okay. If you want to do that, that's fine. But if you want to get in your own get on your own tuning you're like there's no way i'm ever going to tune a car good you don't have to be good you your engine will put up with a lot but more importantly you having driven your car will feel it in your butt your butt dyno will go it's misfiring i better let off and there's protection features in these standalones too to prevent you i still screw up all the time i almost ran my k24 out of oil because it pisses oil like every other honda well, i have an oil pressure sensor in there that keeps me safe i ran it out of fuel once because the fuel gauge wasn't running and it started leaning out well the fuel pressure sensor is like something's wrong and it it saves me uh you know you don't have to be good checks and balances yeah, you, you don't have to be good at it, but just trying is enough for you to have a shit ton of fun. I smoked Supras in that it's Junk 2000 Impreza with that Frankenstein build. I a lot of cars, and it's always a joy, you know? The, the key thing is that while you're learning and doing all this stuff, you're also having just a shit ton of fun. Because imagine for a moment that you build a car and you want to change one little thing. Maybe put a bigger turbo on, and you got to go get it tuned every single time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh! Just uh, forget the money, but the how logistics many... of getting the car there. <laughs> how many builds have you seen on Craigslist or our Facebook Marketplace? Yada yada yada. Parts list out, you know, for miles. Fully built, should be able to handle 600 wheel. Still needs a tune. <laughs> yeah, plug yeah. your laptop into a pal, and you'll figure out real quick that you don't need to be the world's best tuner. It's you know whenever you've screwed up, it's hard to miss. And people are like, well, I'm going to blow it up with a bad tune. Another little fun fact is it's going to blow up regardless. Just <laughs> go into it happen. with an open mind and an open <laughs> wallet sometimes. And whenever I say yeah. that, maybe start with cheap builds, like a $350 build with blown up WRX heads and a 2-2 that was sitting out in the rain, you know? Love it. There's a lot of people back where I came from. There wasn't a lot of tuners available. Certainly not anybody, you know, doing it. DIY, a buddy, or anything like that. So there was there was even speed shops that would get a hold of someone's car that had been like off the shelf tune, like a major Audi tuner would provide an ECU flash for like an E85 B5S4 on K04 turbo, some kind of you know very popular mod. And I heard through the grapevine that this speed shop in my town was trying to steal that flash and just print it out on other other cars you know customers cars like hey buy this hardware come to us we'll sell you the tune that you need you know but make sure you have these turbos these injectors <laughs> you know they were yeah. they were like it was like stolen intellectual property you know like it'd be like telling a singer like well come to my studio we'll, we'll make you a hit but make sure you only sing this song <laughs> <laughs> the whole ECU tuning, the 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 actual oh, this is tuners. Topic. It it is. <laughs> it's a lot of smoke and mirrors, and and once you uh, once you learn how all this works, it becomes very liberating, uh, yeah. and you get to know what's bullshit and what's not. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people out there spewing bullshits. I'm, I'm not. I would say I'm not going to name anybody, but I don't have names. It's just everywhere, uh, and you can only really realize it once you've gotten this deep into it. Um, but I guess maybe that's a good segue into our next topic, though, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What um, would you? What? What would you do next? Let's say. Let's say you had an unlimited budget. You want to go first? No, I know what I'm gonna I, say. I know what you're gonna say. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think I'm gonna say? We'll we'll, we'll flip the we'll flip the the script and do that. 
Oh, it's probably a Tesla swap. No. No. I, oh, I'm happy. I, I will. I mean, yeah, I'm interested in it, but the technology is not not meeting my budget right now. Uh, don't get me wrong. You know, I, I I love them. They're cool cars. You know, it's it's. I'm not going to say they're the future, and that's the way everything's going. But it is actually just another option that's really cool, um, and it gives us more to play with. Anybody who's scared of it, our gasoline-powered vehicles aren't going anywhere. Fossil fuels aren't going to go anywhere, at least in our lifetime. So you can die knowing that that's not a problem. Yeah, I believe uh, it's too. just it's just not possible. You know, but uh, you should also not you know deprive yourself of experiencing an electric vehicle that and playing with one uh they're not hard they're simpler to work on on gas engines in my opinion uh you know but that's another topic and we can get there <laughs> but awesome. yeah our, uh, next, our next uh our next topic here yeah what, what would you do with my an unlimited, unlimited budget? budget you know it's yeah. it's kind of it's kind of basic i guess i'm kind of a basic bitch when it comes to cars but um I'm a big Audi guy. I grew up with coveting Audis, especially the A4. And um, there's a vehicle called the Audi A4 Ultra Sport. It was available in the 2000, oh, like the 2003-04 range as a B6 chassis. And it was essentially a pretty run-of-the-mill A4 with all the goodies from the RS4, the, like the European um coveted sports sedan that we never got until 05, 06 for a few years. But it was essentially all the cosmetics of a top-of-the-line 4 Series Audi on a basic stick-shift 4-banger turbo. And (laughs) for a blink of an eye, they re-released it in 2019 as a stick-shift option for the A4, probably the last year before they got rid of the manuals in general. So you can get a 2019 A4 Ultra Sport. It's probably the one of the rarest Audis there is, even though it's not like the most high performing. But again, they, they put all the goodies as far as um, cosmetics and, and chassis, bling bling, uh, full carbon fiber mm-hmm. interior, suede seats, wow, low, lowered wheels. Just you know, if you're a real if you're a real like car show kind of collector, it's like a secret, secretly poorly known um, Audi A4 and I would like one of those with you know I want to say the five cylinder swap out of like the new RS3 and the TTRS that's like that's the most popular Audi engine for like big power numbers I think I would love to do a swap big turbo kit I would like to keep the manual because of that engine being so sought after now the rs3s and the uh, ttrs's are like they have a huge markup because right. because of the, uh, the premium and people are people are roasting like lamborghinis people are running like into like the eight second range with rs3s with just turbos and um let's say nine seconds i don't know i haven't checked the, the latest but latest and greatest the, the rs3 and the ttrs platform is like the fastest drag race monster from audi i would love to stuff that motor into an ultra sport keep it civil looking keep it classy luxurious but have it just be a horsepower monster under the hood i expect that kind of project would probably cost like 80 grand to do it right wow the car itself is probably like 50 because it's like they only made like 20 of them or something like that (laughs) they're 40 40 cars. I'm looking at the website here. There's a, there's an article on Audi Club North America. They they produce 40 of these basic wow. engine but like highly pimped out A4s. You know, nobody would you'd you'd pull up at a at a grocery store and be like, "Oh, just another run of the mill Audi." And, and no you'd have to be like, "No, this is super rare. They only made 40 of these. This is the last manual ever made. It has a flat bottom steering wheel. It's it's got a carbon fiber <laughs> in the interior." Uh, you know. It's got the suede interior. Oh my yeah, god. You know, so it'd be a it'd be an underdog. No, it would be, you know, no would be like, "Oh, sick Beamer." No, it'd be like, "Oh, another Volkswagen Audi." But it would, you know, some kind of a monster under the hood that would be true to true to pedigree. So a five-cylinder. Honestly, the two-liter turbo platform from Audi is, is super stout as well. There's, I've got a friend with a, um, a Golf R with a two-liter. 
turbo engine, and I imagine some uh, the tech probably carries over. That thing's a, a direct injected monster. It's got like a big GTX on it. It's like a it's like a three second zero to sixty build. You could probably keep the two liter in it and still roast people, but the five cylinder exhaust note, the five cylinder like Audi Sport Rally Heritage would be would be in there. So sure, a <laughs> RS3 five cylinder swapped into a A4 Ultra Sport. It would not would not be cheap. It wouldn't be wouldn't be a Lambo, but it's more me. That's that's me all the way. How about you, John? I might have interpreted the question wrong. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Is it like... uh, you said with an unlimited budget, but we didn't say what we're applying it to. Ah, well, hey. So not just a car it's an build. Open question. Right. This isn't just a car podcast, by the way. Yeah, this it is about cars, though. If hey. were I to have an unlimited budget, I wouldn't go necessarily for a car build, but I would try to make something that supports all car builds, and that would be a fully open source, modern standalone ECU, and as many open source parts and wiring diagrams around that to help like a community uh, like an ecosystem yeah and a lot of people are probably thinking mega squirt or speed we know um, yeah, and those are that's both my, really exactly where my mind went yeah Cardino. they're very valid options but they're they're getting they're aging right the parts for mega squirts are getting more and more expensive uh because the design is getting pretty old and it is it's open source but it and i did learn a lot from that project but i feel like there's a lot more room to expand um, and add more features to these, uh, and also just create an education platform around it. All of these combined, we discussed earlier. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, of bullshit in the tuning side of things, and Grr. I feel like that would defeat all of it. Yeah, you know, Megasquirt's done a ton for that, and uh, even starting with that platform would be a good one. Um, and then going on from there, just to because, although. You know, I don't think gas cars are going to go anywhere. They are, in a way of speaking, a dying breed. And it's not necessarily the electric car's fault. It's more, at least for tuners, they're a dying breed, right? For, and by tuners, I mean us, like you and I, enthusiasts, I should mm-hmm. say. At least at least for enthusiasts, they're a dying breed. Uh, because it's getting harder and harder to modify our cars. It's It's tough, you know? Like all these different regulations and the fact that the manufacturers toss an ECU in there that, that we can't break into and make changes for just putting a bigger turbo on or even an intake. Like if you put a, a bigger intake on a modern car and it has a mass airflow sensor, you will maybe blow it up. It's There's a very real chance of that, you know? And for us not to be able to go into our ECUs and, you know, just fix that calibration, really, that mm-hmm. that's a big deal. Yeah, and the majority of the population doesn't know what we're talking about or care. <laughs> so there's yeah. no incentive for major manufacturers to leave the the doors open like they did in the 90s or the early 2000s, you know. A lot of people, Well, a lot of I wouldn't know if I'd consider them leaving the doors open then. <laughs> it's uh, it's all a reverse engineering effort, right? Yeah, it always was reverse engineering, but I know a lot of platforms could run the factory ECU with a with a with the right tuning software, especially like LS engines and things like that. And you still can, but I, I, I don't know if I'd consider some of that accessible to, well, past John, right? That guy didn't have a lot of money. He had to save forever to get a Haltech just to break free of those chains. The stock Impreza ECU was, was not uh, tunable at all. Uh, and any WRX one, there was barely any you know documentation for me as a beginner to know how to wire it in. Um, now that I'm more experienced, I can do that left and right, but that came at the cost of me having to buy an expensive standalone that was barely within my budget. Like there was a point in time where this may have never happened and I'd never even be into cars, right? It just, I got lucky that I could afford it and that some stuff came through for work, you know, pulled overtime hours. But the more we get into this, the deeper you go and the newer cars get, the more complex the systems in them get. And there's no way for for us to to handle that right like everything has a can bus in it now which anybody who knows tuning knows that that can complicate things whenever you put a standalone in so standalones are a tough option uh and now there's a lot of regulations hitting our tuning companies like cobb and hp tuners efi live and all these reflashers you know i'm sure uprev is probably going to be on that list at some point yeah yeah i do own hp tuners and that was that was that came to mind when we were talking about modifying you have to pay Factory, per car, yeah. right? Yes. Every yes, you time do. you want to, every time you <laughs> want to break into money. an ECU for your friends, yeah. 
or your cars every car Maybe. they make you pay probably a 100 300 depends yeah. on the car yeah it depends on the, the engine actually um i have a gm based engine in my saab and it, luckily it was i think less credits than a ls based engine from credits GM. and you have to purchase yeah. credits yeah. with like with with, with I, good old american and greenbacks and i purchased this let me point out that I purchased this HP tuners just to try and solve an emissions problem because some LS guys said you could just switch on, switch off your readiness for emissions check. And I had a, a real ridiculous problem trying to get my EVAP system to work. It ended up changing the ECU out. There was like a probably a dead circuit inside the ECU. It wasn't it wasn't sending a ground through to the yeah. to a, a valve or something like that. So it was an electrical fault. But I thought an HP tuners would. I, I I spent like three hundred fifty dollars on an HP tuners device just to try and mess with the emissions reporting, and it never even worked for. It never worked for me, anyways. So I yeah. spent those credits. I I bought the hardware. There's barely any tuning options. You know, going back to like you know whether whether they leave the door open for you or not. They certainly don't for my engine. They do for the uh, the LS series. But. It, well, and that's a bit of, of a backwards statement because it's not about GM leaving the door open. It's actually about how much time True. and effort HP Tuners has right. put into reverse engineering your right. car's ECU. I'm willing say to bet that. There, there's not a lot of demand for your car, right? No. Like, <laughs> like, so why would they go through yeah. the effort, right? Yeah, if, very if there simple were... functionality. You can change like the duration of the the injectors or something. You, you can swap injectors and account for it, and then maybe you can advance timing. I think that's it. Yeah, you can't turn up the boost with the HTP tuners on my, my platform. At least last time I had it hooked up. With, with unlimited budget, I would make a solution that is good for everybody. I don't know exactly what it is. Like I said, maybe maybe an open source ECU platform that's a little more modern and can, you know, with that unlimited budget, I could pay guys to reverse engineer yes. all the CAN bus systems and uh, just so we don't have to deal with the factory ECUs bullshit. And you could still keep the car compute, you know, the chassis computer happy, the speed sensing, all that. You get to keep your factory dash off. cluster. Yeah, that would be beautiful. That's maybe uh, one day. That's something I'd uh, I'd be on board to support if you wanted uh, somebody to run their mouth about how great it is. I could probably help you with that. <laughs> it's a big <laughs> undertaking, uh, and there's gonna have to, that. That's the thing is unlimited budget. If we don't have that. Um, it would be nice. It, it would be really nice, but maybe there's another solution down the road. Standalones, even if we don't have all our factory gauges and body control modules involved, we can still get away with quite a bit, um, which is why it's. I think it's important it, it, for people to realize that those are options and that they're not wasting their money. For what it's worth, my shitbox 2000 Impreza with a junkyard engine had features like rotational idle and rolling anti-lag and two-step and anything else. It ran E85. Uh, and, and I didn't have to pay credits. <laughs> I didn't have to pay upgrade <laughs> yeah, fees to, yeah. to wire in a simple E85 sensor and slap some bigger injectors. Right. And, like, that's all it takes. We're, we're about to go through that upgrade on my girlfriend's Miata because she has a standalone. You know, it's not hard to do. Does she have a 90, 90s Miata? Like a she has a, a 99. She has the NB. Oh, okay, so it's, it's and it, it, it came to a supercharged, and it wasn't running right because it didn't have a, a tunable ECU. So we wired in a standalone, and now the thing sings. And it also leaks a lot of oil, which apparently is a common theme in my shop this year. <laughs> Love it. Love it. So your yeah. your dream build is really some kind of a revolution in standalone the standalone market and, and the automotive enthusiast uh, technology. I love it. Much yeah, more meaningful, is... much more meaningful uh, cause, I guess. But I still want my Audi, if anyone's listening and has one. I, I just want the boys to be able to tune their cars and to be able to have fun, you know? Yeah. Back, like back back when our grandfathers would do crazy swaps in their cars, they oh, could get away with it because of carburetors. My dad's like, we would just need a tree and three of your friends, and we'd have a V8 dropped into your mom's ford falcon <laughs> yeah that's that yes uh and technically i myself am at that level i i mean we've exactly. talked about it i'd love to do just a, another crazy build and i plan to I, I plan to do many builds same but you know it, it takes a lot to get to the point that even i'm at and i don't consider myself uh, uh, that good at it like i've technically never even tuned on a dyno there's probably many tuners out there rolling their eyes at this whole conversation but to them i say Give me some time. I'm working on it. Beautiful. And I'm one of the people that believes um, you don't really know anything about anything until you start, until you get your hands dirty. You actually see what's happening. 
and the the experience and everything you've had and the knowledge you've had is is like you know you could study this stuff but you, you've gotten your hands dirty you've gotten in there yeah i know you're grateful for it sucking at something is the first step to being kind of sort of good at something it's okay to suck at things life lesson guys Absolutely. So go out there and blow your cars up. You Absolutely. know, go get those junkyard engines. Seriously, and, and, it's totally worth it. It's a lot of fun. If enough people do it, we'll delete this podcast and say we never told you that. Yeah, <laughs> no, no. I, I am a, I am a champion of blowing stuff up. It exactly. is a learning experience. But the thing is, is whenever you go into it, just know you're going to do it. Plan for it. Mm-hmm. Just be like, yeah, this thing's about to blow up mm-hmm. any second, and I'm going to enjoy every second of it. Don't be afraid, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Well. Well, um, I think one of the other things I wanted to talk about was kind of your opinion on supercars and uh, exotic cars. Because there's always, I just went to a, a Penn State car meet and I was reporting back to some of my car buddies back home and, and I only had to say one thing. I had to say, the car meet was awesome. It was, um, I've got a friend named Mark. And I said, everybody there was like Mark, so I fit right in. And what I meant by that was everybody was a quote unquote, hands-on young low-budget car enthusiasts like myself and um they were they were getting they're taking things apart they're doing cool cool shit i met a kid that built his own transmission controller for his honda odyssey minivan now if you were to go to rodeo drive in california and show that off people would be like okay like i see a thousand lamborghinis every day what what the hell like why do i care but yeah there's there's the guys that are growing up taking things apart playing with them doing cool things to, to whatever they have and then there's people who had and I'm not trying to hate on anybody there's people who know the entire lineup of the Lamborghini and the, the Ferrari and, and the Koenigsegg and uh, McLarens you know there's there's 12 year olds that know so much about supercars sports cars way more than I ever will because that's their vein of, of interest in automobiles you know um, exotics supercars and there's they're awesome and there's there's status symbols as well and I I get a vibe from just knowing John that maybe that's not his scene. I know it's really not mine. <laughs> I feel like I'd be a major poser if I rolled up in an off-the-shelf Lamborghini. Now, with that said, I could show up with like an off-the-shelf Lamborghini with a lawnmower engine in it and feel and feel um, true to my roots. But that's another topic. <laughs> so, I'll help you do so, the swap. <laughs> yeah, please. We'll run a standalone. Yes. On on, on ethanol. What's uh, what's your take on, on that scene? Uh, I think that there's a lot of cool technology there. There is, but it's so far out of my reach and so far out of the <laughs> I'd probably blow it up zone that it doesn't interest me. <laughs> and stock cars don't really interest me, right? Like, uh, unless right. it has some fancy new technology that comes out, but that gets old quick. And I know that because I drive a Tesla Model Three, and I got them whenever they were really. I got it whenever it was really uncommon around this area. And I'd get a lot of people coming up to me asking me about it. But I got not bored of it very quick, but the the novelty wore off. With building your own cars, though, the novelty doesn't wear off because when the novelty wears off, you go back to the shop. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least I do. I'm you just like, well. some stuff. You buy some stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, not only was a, a K-swap kind of cool, but I turboed it too, which is just, you know, I, I always make jokes about it, but, you know. That was just kind of like, oh, I kind of want to just mix a bunch of things together and, and feel did. how it goes. And he did. Yeah. That's one of the things that stood out. I'm like, that's an air-to-water intercooler. And that also <laughs> doesn't look like a name-brand air-to-water intercooler. I'm no, like, I'm everything like, everything I'm like, from the bell housing forward is eBay, including that. <laughs> I'm like, did eBay? And the engine. Are you, are you sponsored by eBay with this one? I wish. <laughs> I, I don't think they could afford to. One of my dreams is to put like eBay motors across my windshield, you know, like a really cliche car banner i mean i guess I, I guess i don't have to dream too big i'm sure it's already available <laughs> but and maybe harbor freight as well i'd like a harbor freight sponsor yes and a, yes yeah yeah i've got a vinyl cutter i'll make it happen so yeah eh, the supercars don't they don't interest me too much yeah. i there's very cool tech there uh right. and i would love to if i had access Materials, to it i would probably really enjoy playing with it Dude, I took the Honda Roo out to a few meets, and the number of people that rolled up to me and said, this is by far the coolest car here. That's exactly what I'm talking about, yeah. And I look next to me, and there's a friggin' Dodge Viper. 
the real right. Widowmaker in the flesh, and they're like, this car's way cooler than that one. They straight up say it, and I'm like, hmm. So it's a pretty <laughs> common thing. And I think that your explanation was right. It's usually kids that are the ones that are like, supercars are cool, because yeah. kids are the ones that think that flashy, bright things are, are cool. Right. And that kid in us never dies, but at the end of the day, we also find new hobbies and interests. And yeah. it, it makes me remember, I, I, I used to work at a company, and my boss there was in a past life, uh, he was a, a tuner. In fact, he's one of the guys that uh, helped make the original reflash for the DSMs and oh, Evos, uh, Merp, love, Merp Mod. I love DSMs. Yes, he helped. He was in that scene and he helped make that in reverse engineer and do that initial, that, that first ever reflash to add features like anti-lag and like uh, no lift shift. Um, and he still has that blood in him, but he's got kids and he runs a bunch of different businesses. He, he's switched gears, which is understandable, but I always bring my shit boxes over to show him because he still, he knows that he's still sharp <laughs> as a whip with it. He's still excited about your yes. homebrew tune. Yes, he loves it. Up- he goes for rides and he, he, he's, it brings him back, you know, and he wishes he could still do it. And he will whenever he gets, I'm sure whenever his kids are graduated, he's going to go out and buy another JDM shit box and swap it or something. We need to buy some DSMs and put them in vaults, keep them safe. Yes, yes, we do. I brought the Honduru over to show him, and he, of course, he loved it. Uh, oh, you know, great. it's right up his alley. But his kid comes outside and he goes, That looks like the car the Taco Bell guy drives. You should buy a Tesla like my dad has. <laughs> Listen, little and, boy. And, you know, he's just doing little boy, doing, exactly. you know, kids, they talk a lot. Love and he just kept saying, You should buy a Tesla, you should buy a Tesla. And his dad finally leans down and goes, Landon. John has a Tesla. <laughs> he does this because this, this car is, is way boring. cooler. And he goes, it doesn't look cooler. And I just look at him. I'm like, yeah. you'll understand when you get older. You know, it's it's something that kids just don't get. Uh, and that, you know, it, I shouldn't say just kids. It's it's something that some or people will never get. Professional men that want the, a fast car. People that actually know how to drive, too. I don't know if you're a great driver, if you're some kind of Mario Andretti. But I don't consider myself... I'd consider myself more of like a a Samir Thapar, if you know what I'm talking about. (laughs) I don't even know what you're talking about. That's my level. Samir, you're breaking the car. (laughs) That's that's an old meme. Uh, I appreciate it, but I need to I need to read up on it. But yeah, I don't consider myself um, a pro driver. I don't consider myself a a flashy person. But with that said, I have an answer in mind. What if you were asked to get a quote unquote? Real sports car, let's say. Real supercar. Real, you know, the category. Like a driver's you know, car? A real, a, a true car, and, and it had to be, you know, out of the box, an amazing performance machine, and it had to be over 70 grand. What would it be? <laughs> oh, damn, you shouldn't have said over, over 70 grand. Hey, I was 20, about to say. Super West High with a cop. No, I was going <laughs> to say a friggin' Mazda Miata. Oh. You can't beat them. They're, it's just okay. GG. They win. Just get 40 of them then. <laughs> yes. The, and that is the answer. I Those think cars the are just are phenomenal. I don't, I can, yeah. I'm kicking myself for not scooping one up when they were 2500 bucks clean i know it's it's my girlfriend found a hell of a deal and i i cannot stress how much i love driving this little car yeah uh it's i'm again i'm not i'm not a pro i'm not a colin mccray i am a samir thapar i and that's that's still giving me too much credit it is it is i'm not a good driver but this car makes me feel like i am i am (laughs) i don't even drive it hard because i know better but still it's like oh my gosh this thing is like it's on rails that or i would go for like a you know an actual wrx from 2000 like an import like a jdm 2000 wrx my body my favorite body style mixed you know but the turbo version yeah yeah i think they had coupes then Uh, well we had coupes right we had coupe rs mine's a coupe yeah yeah, we had Cooper. My, my Honda was, is a coupe. It was a new, the newer WRX. Like when the when we finally got our WRX and and an STI, I think we couldn't get a two door, and that was a thing that people mentioned. Yeah, like they in stopped Japan, them. In Japan, you can get a two door, like 05 WRX STI or something like that. I I can butcher it all you want. I don't know much about Subarus. I want to point out a fun fact though. When I was about fourteen, I had a gas powered RC Subaru WRX STI, a little rally huh. car. A little like one horsepower pull start, <laughs> and I wish I kept That's it. Cool. I wish I kept it. Those are actually very collectible, very very valuable right now. Things things from that era, about two thousand and two ish. But uh, I don't know if anyone wants to hear my answer. Uh, I think yours is more genuine, but uh, genuine. My favorite quote unquote sports car, supercar would would have to be the new NSX from from Honda from Acura. Uh, the new one. The new new, you know, because it's a hybrid. 
Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they got the the electric front motor, and it has uh, it has torque vectoring. You know, I think that's cool. Yes. And it's not very expensive yet, quote unquote. You know, I I don't know if it's gonna turn out because they just they just ended production. I don't know if it's gonna be two hundred thousand dollars when I'm finally ready to buy one. Knock on wood. But uh, they didn't sell really well, which is great. And um, <laughs> from what I hear, they're just not. You know, they just they don't excite people enough. They don't they don't turn enough heads, which is great. But it still checks the boxes of supercar, sports car. The interior is a lot like a really high-end Honda. The, I think it has the same head unit as my 2017 Civic that I had as a lease. <laughs> um, they're apparently super reliable. They're okay on gas. They make a ton of torque. I think they look good. I like the materials. You could get a carbon roof, the Alcantara headliner. I'm well, just learning I'm not a supercar guy, That's and I knew it, but it, it's fun to just confirm that, that I just... I, I know about them. Like I, as soon as the NS, that new NSX came out, I was aware of that uh, of the hybrid part of it. Yeah. And yeah. what surprised me is so many people said that they were underwhelmed by it. And I'm exactly. like, do you have no, do you have no idea what that is? Like that is a big deal. Yeah, yeah, you know, and and it's apparently the transmission's fantastic. It's a one-off transmission. You know, there's no there's no twin clutch transmission in the in the the Honda toolbox at the time. So. It's a feat of engineering. I think second to that, are you familiar with the LFA from Lexus? I'm, I've heard of it, but not enough, so that's you're like welcome a, to tell me. That's like a stupid, rare um, sports car, supercar that they built. A t- V10 NA, high-revving monster, and it has a lot of just really fantastic goodies. Like the, It has a lot of like Formula One style engineering like like machined aluminum chassis uh really like inboard suspension cool stuff like that and and if you watch like there's a great special about it it was completely a terrible move business-wise for lexus to produce this car i think they lost money on everyone sold but it was it was like an engineer having to do what an engineer had to do he said you know what we need to make something that isn't a boring car we need to push the envelope we need a project to get us excited and that's that's become a, a cult classic those are rare those are five hundred thousand dollars if you can find one but um I, i'd go for one of those uh i guess i have a third o- answer and that would be the um, porsche carrera gt which is also a v10 and just it's probably the the porsche version of the early dodge viper widowmaker that was a, a very dangerous car a v10 no no traction control no nannies um i think it was late built you know engineered in the late 90s and they used like a monocoque carbon fiber chassis you know stuff that's taken for granted today but uh that's definitely a, a vehicle i would if i if someone's like you need a highly expensive collectible supercar those are my three nsx is something i'd actually drive every day um the lfa i'd probably be proud to say i have and, and the career gt i'd probably be afraid of but i i disagree <laughs> that my answer was genuine mine was a cop-out because i immediately went for the miata meme even <laughs> though i'm serious i think that they are supercars in their own way yeah uh yours is definitely more genuine and i i, uh, I like your genuine, answers way better genuine or like you know do i stick to the rubric <laughs> no i mean you had better answers than i want a lambo because they're cool and cost a lot yeah like, that's you know, you know? <laughs> that's the first that's the first thing you think of. I, would nah, show up, that I like yours more. I would show up to like a supercar club and everyone would have like the newest Huracan and I'd have like a used Acura NSX and I'd be more happy. <laughs> it's probably true. That is yes. still that is still like just a Honda Civic with with two motors in the front and and it handles well. I don't know. Uh, I'm cool, you see. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, boy. We've had a we've had about an hour here of great content. Yeah, uh, I, I know we wanted to touch on EPA and the cop. I don't know. Do we want to push the the could, time limits? You think we can? Um, you want to shelf that for for a, a special next week? We could do that. Yeah, let's 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 keep it let's keep it hot and spicy and ready for for next show. But there's real people Perfect. on on the street feeling the pain because they have they have decided to do quote unquote the right thing and clamp down on emissions violations that people are capable of do, people are capable of doing with their hardware so it's a sticky it's a sticky subject and it kind of comes back to what John was saying about um, 
the, the fear around getting your hands dirty and, and running standalone, for example. But uh, yeah, that's gonna be a hot. That's gonna be a hot topic. I'm really excited about it. Really excited to see what John has to say about it. Yeah, uh, I can tell you that uh, we'll we'll do a little bit of clickbait for the next one. I will answer all your questions and provide everybody with a solution to their questions in in our next podcast. Oh, beautiful! Um, it may not be the ones that you like to hear, <laughs> uh, or the ones that cost the least amount of money, but it you know there there are cheaper options available to those of you out there who who are looking for this. Uh, so we can get into that next time. Beautiful, beautiful. Well, until next time, guys, uh, thanks for listening in. Thanks to our sponsors that we don't have yet. And thank you for taking this Sunday afternoon with us, John. Hey, thank you, Eric. It was a ton of fun, buddy. I'll see you next time. All right. Take care, my friend.